Hello and welcome back to our Hints and Tips for Complex Com uh, Conversations in Oncology podcast. I'm joined again with Dan and Claire and we're going to move on to talking a bit about advanced care planning, what it means, how we do it, what tools there are available and I'm going to um, hand over to Claire in her, in her capable hands to start us off. So advanced care planning is one of those things that people can either make, we can make really complicated and it's something that everybody gets really frightened about as well. And we do sort of admin generally in everyday life, but for whatever reason, we have a block about planning for the future. And it's often associated with bad luck. If I start planning for the future, then that means it's going to happen right now. But actually, it's to just be a gentle process. The plan that you have in your 20s should be different to the one in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. But at every point in your life, you'd have a plan about what's going to happen for the next few years and that what you want to happen to you and also what you don't want to happen to you. And quite often now, people take out mortgages for 25, 30 years. And that's planning for their future because they're planning for in their 50s and 60s to have owning their own house. But we don't look at it that way. Advanced care planning, we all find really hard, really challenging. And we're always looking as healthcare professionals for somebody else to start that conversation or do that planning and it's always seemed as somebody else's responsibility because it's going to take a long time but actually these aren't our plans these are the patient's plans and we're just giving them some guidance about where to go find information about how to make the plans about what they want to do and also record them down for them but we don't need to take charge of these plans it's about them not about us and I think we can forget that sometimes and all it involves is a discussion about future care, future treatment, where you might want to be, who you might want around you, what you'd want to happen to you, what you wouldn't. And also sorting out some finances too, because everybody has different finance complexities in their lives. And we're all very, very different. So it's just starting some simple conversations. So the first question I ask everybody is, have you got a will? That's what I'm going to ask Anna and Dan now. So I do have a will. Um, I made my will when I bought my house, um, but it is very much out of date. Um, and I'm quite concerned about it because my, my second child is not in it, um, which is interesting. And also my um, oldest child would currently be looked after by my parents who are getting a little bit older. So I do have a will, but it wasn't necessarily made with the with the intention to be an advanced care plan, if that makes sense, or even sort of part of the the future. It was made because you have to have a will if you buy a house. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, since we've been starting doing this, it's one of those things that I have been thinking about. You know, it's on that to-do list of things I need to update. What's going to happen to Alfred if I pass away is a quite an important question. Um, but it it was it was done quite sort of perfunctorily because that's what needed at the time um and the more I think about it the more actually it's a good it's a it's a good mechanism for starting to think about what do I want to do and I think it depends a little bit on family but my family are very very open and it's sort of that it started those conversations again because um if I'm honest the my children would probably be looked after by my sister if if I was yeah. to pass away now whereas when I made my will 10 years ago it was a very different situation so for me, I think it's just remembering that it's nothing set in stone and that actually... Not your husband. Oh, yes, no, I mean, obviously, if we, I mean, if we both die. Oh, I was thinking about this as a collective entity. Oh, as okay, so to... if, you're, if you're going, he's going with you. When <laughs> <laughs> you're younger, you think about, you know, if you go on holiday together and something bad happens, that's yeah, what I mean. Yeah. But... <laughs> 
rather than rather than I'm just sort of you know yes no no yes yeah, so if I pass away and he's still alive he invert he inherit he gets them um, <laughs> and, but not for me to tell you what's in your I mean it's a good point yes no I. <laughs> Oh my lord! Um, yes, absolutely. Yes, you know, I just, said, just made the assumption that we'd be together. Anyway, um, but I do taking think... him down with me. <laughs> absolutely, it's a good point. No, you know, I, I didn't mean that at all. Um, um, but I do think it's important when we're thinking about it that actually these things change, don't they? And we we often sort of make a do we make a, haven't made a will? Well, yes, but I haven't reviewed it in a decade. Yeah. So it's really important for me to do that, but for us to think about the fact that they're movable things that can flex and change as the situation arises so for example if you don't in fact die with your husband then they in fact can have the children <laughs> but if you are to in fact die after them or with them then actually you do think about it but it really it just the emphasis was not about my thought processes particularly it was it was literally just to sort of tick box and um, and the more that we do this the more it makes me think about the fact that I need to go back and review that yeah, and 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 ten years. And so you think about how quickly ten years has gone. Yeah, you really, it really has. It's really fair. Yeah. So it's about reviewing those things. And sometimes in ten years, people got a new marriage and different things going on. So it's um, so we're still with the same well. Yeah, and a few got no, no. <laughs> I'm going to I may have, for a while. Yes, I may have forgotten my husband, but I have at least done a well. That's <laughs> morning. <laughs> I know, I know, I need to do one. Do you know, it's just, it's never been one of those things that, despite having taught this course with you, exactly. it just doesn't come up in my daily life. So it's not something that I really think about when I'm not here talking to you about this subject. I know I should have. Well, yeah, but that's the point, isn't it? That actually we've got quite a lot of our patients will come to us in exactly that position. Yeah. That they haven't thought about these things because there's, it's either not, it's not been a priority or it's not been a thought process or there's been lots of other things on the list above it and well, so I just kind of assume that because I'm married to my husband he'll get everything anyway well that is a poor assumption that it we is say. well I'm learning this yes. from you two yes yes, yes. <laughs> absolutely um you know it's but but I think you you're not alone I think there's lots of us that are like that so um it's quite interesting so even to sort of have that conversation as a start of you know, have you have you even thought about making a will but it takes on a completely new meaning or it doesn't actually necessarily take on meaning, but the perception is when you're talking about a will now between us, it means you know, there has no additional meaning. It's just have you written a piece of paper that somebody in law would recognise as your desires. Whereas when you're talking to somebody in a situation where things from their cancer perspective aren't necessarily going in the right direction, it is a very people presume it's going to mean something yeah. much more particularly if you wait to have that conversation until things are getting to a quite a critical point so I think it's quite interesting the kind of the, the connotation of and fairly sort of in you know an unexciting question of do you have a will becomes do you have a will and people think that means that bad things are going to happen really quickly so it's very interesting the kind it of it is the sort of emotive statement of a very simplistic question to which both of us were like well, either no or yes, but it really isn't that great. Um, yeah, and, and then when we do ask people about their, you know, advanced care planning, if they've done any planning for the future, they think you're trying to give them bad news in a stealth, in a diff, you know, what do you know that I don't? Yeah. 
kind of way. And, you know, having taught this for a long time now, I, you know, and have, I have a, we have a will, we have what I felt, we had everything in place. And I recently learned from a television programme that actually our will isn't very good at all. And that I thought that I'd be entitled to um, the house that we live in because that's where we live. And But actually that's in my husband's name. It's not in my name. So actually I wouldn't be entitled to it at all. And there are different things that I've learned just recently that actually I do have a will, but it's not very good. Now, if I was unwell and dealing with being sick and going through treatment and all the emotions that comes with that, would I be then thinking about my finances? You probably wouldn't if you, you know, there just doesn't, it's just not these things that just aren't important and also that you don't have the strength to do. And in order to get a proper will, you'd have to, you need a solicitor to do that as well, so that you're leaving everybody covered. And, you know, and I mean, I'm talking about a recent television programme that it was, you know, a money man on the television talking about lasting power of attorney for health and welfare and finance and the importance of them, the importance of a will and making sure that it's right. And also he was saying that, you know, we all have an obligation to make sure that our that finances and our, our lives are sorted out to help our families with their grief. Grief is hard enough without then trying to negotiate with banks and um, and sometimes other family members too. So that all through our lives, we should be having things that we can tweak along the way so that it doesn't become a big deal. It's a normal part of life. And we wouldn't go and open our bank accounts for everybody and let them in ordinarily. So why would we do that when we're not here? So it's about having honest, open conversations, but trying to not make it too emotional either. Um, but quite often the conversations that we're having, especially in the hospital setting, is when people are really unwell. And so we're looking at have they got their, have they sort of any last prime attorneys? Have they got a will in place? Also, they ever discuss with their families where they want to be cared for or who they want to be cared for by. Um, what what would they like to happen to them? So we often talk a lot about, about what I would like. I'd like champagne. I'd like to be sitting there <laughs> drinking champagne with um, a film on, um, people just around being, you know, milling around and I'm in bed, thank you very much. Uh, don't fuss me, don't mither me, don't put smelly candles on and don't just, and don't leave a window open. That's why I want fresh air. But unless I write that down, I probably wouldn't get that. If it was left to my sister, there'd be, Radio 2 or Smooth FM with 20 smelly candles. I'd be covered in oil. The yeah. windows would be closed and she'd definitely not let me drink alcohol at all. But if I don't write that down, never going to happen for me. You're immortalising it now on a podcast. Yeah. So. And and I'll make sure it happens. Yeah, and but, I have written that down. And, you know, so I've written about where I'd like to be cared for. And it's about what you, what you what you'd like to happen to you. Yeah. Not everything will happen the way that you want it to. But if you've actually written down what you'd like to happen to you, then we've got a chance of trying to make that happen. But if you've never had a conversation or shied away from it all, then we, we won't know. It's a guess, you know, it's a, a really best guess at that. Um, I think it's, it's just about, in some ways, it's about sort of turning the conversation around, isn't it? Because I think we... We sometimes get quite upset when people presume they know stuff about us yeah. and they haven't asked the question. And actually, if we don't do this, then we are leaving people to have to assume they know the answers to questions because we've not given them the answers. So it's quite interesting. I think we get we do get frustrated if people don't ask our opinions about things. Yeah. And to be honest, this is just a, a written down version of giving your opinion about what is essentially an incredibly important part of your life and your yeah. journey. 
you know it's interesting I always find the, the comment it's surprising how many people really just fancy a pint of beer or lager at the end of their life yeah. they, they always it's one of those things that we see not infrequently and people get very stressed about it and it doesn't make sense really um so if you, it's it's those little things that make all the difference and again none of this is is unwritable you know nothing is set in stone if you change your mind if you change where you want to be looked after if you change it's winter and you decide you want you're a bit cold and you can't like to close the window like no no, no that's okay yeah. but at least you've had the opportunity to sit down and go what is it what what's important to me what matters to me because things that matter to some people don't matter to other people yeah. do I mind whether I die at home or in a hospice or a hospital no but I quite like my symptoms to be controlled but there are certain people who absolutely want to die at home yeah. and that's their priority and if we don't advance care plan we don't know those things and then you're you get them to the point where you're so sick that you can't really find the headspace to think about it and this requires a bit of headspace it requires a bit of downtime with a cup of tea you know you need to have some space to think about things without anybody else necessarily invading it and it's and it's your time yeah. and that's okay and what comes out of that is really helpful in sort of navigating the next part of your life but it it's also about making sure that that is how it's viewed and sort of de-escalating yeah the emphasis, the emphasis is in the wrong place. This is about making sure that your last days, weeks, months, not you know, even years, are how you would like them to be. Yeah. That's all it is. It's not, it's not sort of a grand gesture. It's a a playbook of how you want things to go. I mean, you always tell the story of a of one of our patients that came in and and um there was a very clear list of things that yeah we wanted or didn't want and you know things that you know and and that in that circumstance had been written to make sure that people were looking after this this person and they they couldn't necessarily tell them what they wanted anymore yeah. but did like crisps and a bit of standers and quite like their feet out of the blanket blanket and it's those things that make a big difference and and you don't necessarily think about it unless you give yourself a bit of time to do so no and the, the staff with that example felt that they'd given this person the best care they could because they knew the likes and dislikes you know, and, and the family knew, because they'd written it all down, that they were going to get that care too. Yeah. And it really, really helped in a, in a very difficult time as well. Yeah. And and we've all got different ideas about what's important to us, but it's just it, entrusting people with this is what this is what matters to me most and not presuming. Because, again, that has a knock-on effect with grief, where families, did, they're always questioning, did we do the right thing? Was that what they wanted? Yeah. You know, and that can stick with people for a very long time where they feel they might have done the wrong thing. You know, so it's communicating all the way and starting early when people are unwell. That's generally a bit too late to start when rushing them into lots of things. Um, so how do you do it? Because my question was going to be, you know, as a healthcare professional, when and how do you introduce this conversation then? So clearly you want it early. Yeah, very so that feeds in with what we were saying about the case previously about somebody in clinic who's just been diagnosed mm -hmm. with a change on their scan, who's still got treatment options, but not as many. So is that the right time? And what what are the words? What are the tips? So you know, it's again, it's really simple because even speaking to some CNS is like, I just don't know words to say. I don't, and then I want to make it really complicated. And then I want to tell them about myself. And and it's so what I say is in order to look after you the best way that we can, we want to learn about you and know what, what you like and what you don't like and what we need to avoid. 
And so have you ever thought about the future? And sometimes people are like, no, 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 I'm not allowed to think about the future because that's really sad. And so it's it's about being guided by the patient as well. But I, I always ask, have you ever thought about the future? Um, what you'd like and what you wouldn't like. And people generally have. They just don't really want to admit it. And sometimes they don't want to admit it to people in the room either. So it's just a simple question. Have you ever thought about the future? Have you ever made any plans for the future? And sometimes people really have. A lot of people have paid for funerals. Yeah. And they'll say, I paid for my funeral because I paid for a relative's funeral and it was going up. And I thought, right, I'm doing mine now. Have you told anybody? No. Mm. So we can be surprised about what people have done, but they don't see that as doing any planning. So if we don't ask, have you ever thought about the future? Um, is there anything that you wish to avoid or anything that you would want to happen to you? Then if we don't ask that simple question, then we're never going to find out an answer. So if we avoid it, we'll never find out. And patients will say, no, 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 no. But sometimes they remember that they've been asked that question. And also giving them a a signpost of where they can get information as well about the future then they, you know quite often when I go down to the information centre they say that they see people come and hover mm. and go but they also see them come back maybe the next week or the next month and hover mm. and then they'll speak to them very gently and then they'll go but over time they'll start to pick information and talk and again it's trying not to have this conversation in one go and that's what people think they aim to do is that I've got to have an advanced care conversation. Now. I've got to do it. I've got to do it. And they build it up and build it up. But simply, have you ever thought about the future? Have you made any plans? Is a really simple, open question. And you'll get a clear answer from that to where to go. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because there's, there's two elements to that. One is about the fact that just talking about having an advanced care plan is is actually sometimes enough for the day. But you don't need to then make it a plan. You just need to have suggested that one might be a good idea at some yeah. point. Again, letting those thoughts ruminate. And actually, you know, thinking about sort of when I'm in clinic, I'm worried that I can't give that person enough time. But then there's something about signposting. Have you ever thought about the future? Yeah. Have you ever made any plans? Really might be worth having a chat with our, you know, our support centre team or with Maggie's or, you know, we can signpost to the place where they can continue that conversation. It doesn't need to be with you in clinic. And also starting with the small stuff sometimes it's actually much easier than starting the big stuff yeah so when you start talking about the future I think people get very worried that they've got to decide what they want to do with their house and their family and their kids and mm. um, clearly I'm not very good at that but like you know it's, it's, it's those <laughs> things that are actually really important but actually starting with well you know if this happens I would like to drink you know like to drink champagne or I want to be you know I'd like my window to be open those things open the opportunity to then start exploring in a very personal and often internal way the bigger questions yeah. i think de-escalating it you don't have to decide you know the big things at the beginning of the conversation it's just starting to explore what you want and when you want it yeah but that 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 can be enough of have you ever thought about it and if they go i haven't thought about it you go well that's okay we'll maybe revisit it next time or if you want some information about it or you know, if you ever want to think about it then you know then we can we can support that so i think it's about again all of these conversations that they, they, they take a while to digest and quite a lot of people when they're diagnosed with cancer know this isn't necessarily going to go well yeah but it's about reintroducing things at the time that feels acceptable in a way that feels manageable to them but ends up meaning that they they steer the ship yeah and I think one of the things that quite a lot of people say to me is I feel 
very out of control. I feel like the control has been taken off me. I've got no autonomy. You know, whatever happens, happens to me. I'm given treatment. I have a scan. I'm giving the results. It's nothing. It's it's very, very um, intimidating. It makes you feel very vulnerable. And actually, advanced care planning allows you to take over the control again. Yeah. And I think talking about it in those terms helps feel comfortable with it, but also empowers people to do it because it it is giving them back the reins and saying what is it that you want me to do yeah how do you want us to navigate this and some people will say actually I don't ever want to hear another scan result yeah. but they're really few and far between yeah um, and actually then you get um you know you get a framework by which you can look after them and and then the rest of the conversations that we'll talk about in the rest of the podcasts start to fall into place in a very non-sensationalist sort of natural pattern which I think is something that we've lost and particularly during the pandemic we've really lost the sort of the natural progression of conversation which is obviously what we're trying to illustrate here but in in starting with advanced care planning it it starts with giving them back the power to make decisions completely and then you can use that to have more complicated and difficult conversations and it's about keeping it simple and also, you know, and that's why I started with we ever thought about our own lives, because if we haven't thought about our own lives and what we would like, like it's really hard and to ask the other people, because why why are we any different? And we're not. We're no different to anybody at all. Mm-hmm. So if we've not thought about what we want, don't want, or even contemplated planning anything, then you know, we can't really ask other people but and how you know and, and expect them to do things either. But keeping things really simple, signposting and knowing that conversations can carry on over time and you know and that it is their plan not ours we're just here to listen and guide so keep yeah that's my my key to it all really and it's all of our responsibilities there is no one person that should be designated to do advanced care care person it's all it's everybody's we all um pick up from each other so we should be able to read back people they've had this conversation here and i can pick it up from here and we should all be able to flow with it. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. I think that's been really significant food for thought. So we're going to come back in our next podcast and talk about the way that we uh, navigate through a, a conversation at the beginning of an acute admission for somebody with an oncology diagnosis who is in fact starting to deteriorate. So we will see you there.